You're listening to the Her Leadership Coach Podcast for the quietly determined career woman who's looking to step up into her first or next level leadership role. If you're looking to make a bigger, more positive difference in your organization, you've come to the right place. Well, hello, welcome in. It's Rochelle. On today's episode of Her Leadership Coach, we are joined by Nicole Trick Steinbach. She is an international bravery coach. And I don't know about you, but leadership takes an incredible amount of bravery. And I did, in fact, post about something very similar on LinkedIn not that long ago. Uh, Nicole, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Me too. I'm excited. We have been talking before we pressed record uh, and we decided we better press record or we would talk (laughs) because uh, there is so much to talk about in this space uh, and many, all the spaces really, that's where we end up going off on tangents. So we'll try and stick to the topic on our podcast episode. (laughs) Um, So Nicole, I want to just start with a little bit about who you are. So did you have a career before you got into this stuff? What was your career trajectory like? How did you, how on earth did you get to be an international bravery coach? Yeah. So that last one is the easiest to answer. So when you're an entrepreneur, you get to call yourself whatever you want. (laughs) You really did. And I, I really love to have fun. Um, but the, the, really the focus in on bravery was as I was bridging out. So I was at the end of my corporate career, I was a global senior director at a major tech organization. And I'm going to share a little bit about how on earth did I get into tech? What was my growth? But as I was making the decision to transition out, I was giving a presentation at, and this is a spoiler for everyone for the end of our episode already, um, at the Grace Hopper conference, which is the largest in-person conference for the women of technology, women and allies, non-binary people of technology. And I had been asked to speak about actually making change management an individualized skill. And so I was putting it all together and I was working through it and I was complaining because I don't want to call it change management. No one will come. That sounds so boring, even though change management is so fun. So cool. And my um, long suffering husband in those three days um, or four days said, you keep using the word bravery. And I think of you as a really brave person. What about that? And I was like, but I am. And so I gave the speech and it was the principles of change management but wrapped up in, hey, bravery is a skill. And that's where it really started almost five years ago. And it's continued to grow from there because the long and the short of my career is that I started as a secretary. So I grew up really poor. I'm from the United States, as you can hear. And single mom, welfare, all this stuff. I was going to go to college. I was insistent. So any way I could make money, I was making money. And um, the computer science department paid a whopping $2 more an hour for their assistance. And so I marchy marched myself on over there. (laughs) It was like, hi, this English major, English writing and um, education for adults major would um, like to be your secretary. And they were crazy enough to take me on. And I really had a hard time first few weeks because I was like what are these people 
doing? I don't understand, but I'm, I grew up really bossy. I'm the oldest of my generation and that's what they needed. They needed me to like corral them together, which I was more than happy to do. And it was a couple of, I would even say maybe a couple of months in where it suddenly like shifted for me, like, oh, we are trying to solve very similar issues in society from a very different lens. Got it. And I just, I really fell in love with being in the space. So I graduated from school, took the chance to move to Germany for eight months, stayed there for 13 years because I am horrific at actual math, you know, <laughs> as one does. Um, and there I was running my own little freelance education for adults in English and um, American culture. I worked at one of the universities and I was closing everything up to move back to the States. And one of my clients said, you know what, why don't you come work for me? And that is how I got back into tech. It's how I became a consultant before I knew the word consultant existed. It's how I grew from being in communications as a communications assistant to being, like I said, a global senior director, running million dollar projects all over the world. The company I ended up not, so not that first company, but I changed companies, ended up, um, well, I also finagled myself onto 25 different countries where I worked on projects and in delivery. I got to sit at the table with the C-level of a Fortune 20 company. Like it was just incredible. And I know how to code. You probably don't want to let me close to your code, but I do <laughs> know change management and things like that. And so about, I would say, so I was already a director and there was this hilarious misunderstanding and the chief services officer misunderstood that I was a coach versus me coaching. And um, kind of like bizarrely assigned me to coach one of his high potential people. This guy was a very choleric, so like really moody, very passionate as we say for men. And so I walked over to the guy because we were in this really big meeting. A bunch of people had flown into headquarters. And I said, so funny story, funny story. Um, so we can either go tell him that he was wrong and I'm not a coach or we can somehow figure this out. And that's actually how I literally fell into coaching, fell into being a consultant, and then did a lot of the work and the hard study and the really joyful lessons through failure. That's all about bravery. So yeah, so I had a glorious corporate career from a girl who grew up knowing nobody who worked in corporate. And then now I'm um, an entrepreneur and now I coach women all over the world. So that is how I had all of that experience and why I focus on brave. Amazing story. I love that story so mm. much. I love falling into careers. I've done that a few times as well. And I like, I don't know, I don't mind it. Like, I don't know these people that know exactly what they want to do from the minute they're at school, but I mm -hmm. still have no idea exactly what I want to do. I know, I know I have the values, right? I know I want to make a difference. Yeah. Um, I know I want to continue to learn and grow. And I definitely want to help women in their leadership roles. Yes. That's, that's yes. as, as much as I know about the world. One of the things I really picked up in there that you said that um, really grabbed me was that it is about solving problems in a different way. Yes. And I really think that's the essence of everything that we do. 
everyone is out there solving a problem in whatever way it is that they have gravitated towards. Yeah. And in the time of climate change impacting every single corner of this world, mass inequality. So we have more inequality than during the Gilded Age, which for everyone, that is when the French Revolution took place, right? This is the time, and many other systems, right? This is the time where we need very creative, brand new approaches towards solving those issues. And when we can say, hey, the end goal is over here to solve the problem, right? Or to create the opportunity, but we can get away from, I have to find the solution. I think we're going to, again, this is bravery, right? But this is when as individuals and as a society, we're going to actually move towards the solution because a lot of this perfectionism and we have to know what the answer is before we take movement, right? That is not serving us. Yeah. 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 It's this illusion that of certainty, right? Illusion that we have control over things and that we are quite sure as to how things are going to turn out. And it is purely illusion I am uh I have chills all over my body (laughs) because that's it it's the illusion of certainty and it's okay to grab on to the illusion of certainty right sometimes we need to do that right like for example for me becoming a parent I was like I don't know what I'm doing I'm gonna do it completely hopefully very very differently than when I grew up right And so I have to hold on to that certainty that I can figure it out, but it is a total illusion as my children demonstrate to me (laughs) every day. (laughs) I, and I look, I think that's a good certainty to hold on to though, the certainty that I can figure it out. And yes, that is still an illusion. Yes. However, that's the illusion that keeps you moving in a direction that is at least towards something good right and yeah yeah, I love that idea of holding on to the certainty that I can figure it out yeah yeah somebody recently said to me I mean I know who they were but I know that they would die if I said their name on this podcast because that's not their jam Uh they said believe deeply hold lightly that is deep yeah I was reading it just synchronicities I read an email yesterday I think from someone who talked about the four different ways of holding beliefs so there and I'm not going to get this right and his his pseudonym is the fox wizard if anybody wants to look him up he talked about a strong opinion held weakly and then strong opinions held weakly and then Mm. weak opinions held weekly and a weak opinion held weekly it was it was just this idea that when we have a strong opinion it's actually very difficult to hold it lightly yes because the minute someone starts to question that we become defensive and so he was of the opinion that actually a weak opinion held weekly is probably better for us as a society, um, which, yeah, he has fascinating things. Yeah, I'm going to look that up because generally I find that concept really interesting. 
Yeah. And then there are a few things that for me personally are utterly, utterly non-negotiable, right? So even before I have a plumber come to my house, I ask them their perspective on trans lives because human rights is something that yes, I do get defensive. I get very defensive because I am defending something of value and worth. Yeah. Right. And so, but I, but then I'm thinking of other situations, which I think is a lot more um, applicable for corporate and corporate leadership is, do I really care what the brand colors are? No, not really. (laughs) I mean, I like that version of yellow over that version of yellow, but you know, we can go either way or what kind of font are we going to have or how are we going to break down the quarterly budgets or right? All of those things. Like that is where I believe it's so helpful to have a perspective and hold it, I would say lightly or weekly, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Offer it and then trust your experts. Mm-hmm. And this is something I'm just diving ahead with this one. Mm-hmm. I was listening to a few episodes. This is something, um, that holds back so many women, mm-hmm. right? We have an expertise and it brings us a certain amount of confidence and security. If we keep going with this, an illusion of certainty. Yes. And then as we step into leadership, particularly, and this was very hard for me when I went from the practice lead for change into a director role, right? was listening to my team, having my own perspective. It's not about being like this sliding door that just gets shoved from place to place. Listening to my experts, having a perspective and then making a decision and moving. Yes. Right. There's so many times in that, that I see the indoctrination that women get, the experiences that we have holistically, and this is not true for everyone, right? So this is an area where actually the more intersecting identity the person have has, the less they are held back by these trends. So like, this is just generalized across the mass, right? First, you got to let go of your expertise Mm -hmm. to a certain extent Mm -hmm. and leading other people and making them successful in a way that makes you successful becomes really, really important. Mm -hmm. That is very scary. It feels very uncertain. It's very brave. And then you have to actually make the decision. Mm -hmm. I have two clients right now and the long and the short of it is that they're not making the decisions and moving forward, right? They're looking for consensus for too long course, we want to have a certain amount of support, stakeholder engagement, employee support, et cetera, and make the decision, right? And then the third one is the consequences. Sometimes we're going to fail. Yeah. Right. And that is really hard to do. That's why you want to have all your experts and you have your reporting and your risk management and all these other functions. But at the same time, you are going to fail. It's going to happen, right? And we need to be able to move through that. And that's exactly, these are the things, like I have a lot of fun talking about Brave and I can do it in a very fun way, but this is the very concrete, tangible aspects of Brave that lead to, you know, having less stress, not overworking yourself, 
and not discovering like I did that you are significantly underpaid for the work that you're doing. Mm, mm. All about bravery. Mm, mm. Yeah, some some really good steps in there. And um, they can be really difficult, particularly yes. for women when we're so often told that we need, we just need to be more confident, right? <laughs> and to yeah. us, that equates to knowing our stuff, which it does like yes. it helps to be competent yeah. to grow your confidence. Um, mm-hmm. But the first step is always the courage, right? You have to have courage to mm-hmm. jump into something so that you can become competent and then mm-hmm. become confident in that thing. And then you then have to let go of the competence a little bit and and rely on other people's competence. Um, and that can be such a difficult shift. Um, yes. and, and agree, again, it takes yes. that courage to be yes. able to make that shift. Um, yeah. And also, like you said, to make that decision, there are, yeah, there's an illusion again that mm-hmm. women are collaborative to and we have to do that to a fault. And yes, we are amazing at collaboration. I mm-hmm. do think that is one of the things that we have been raised to do really mm-hmm. well. Men are quite capable of it. However, they haven't yes. raised to do that so much. So we bring that to the table really well, mm-hmm. but we still have to lead within that collaboration. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I love how you broke that down. I would just add one step to the beginning, which yeah. is get clear. Yeah. Get clear first. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. So I break down bravery into three steps. It's fine with this get clear part, which I, I call it clarity, clarity, momentum, and accountability. The clarity part, it's a okay to start off with not this. Yes. So your team comes to you. There's a decision that needs to be made. Let's say that there's a budgetary decision to be made, right? And your team comes to you and they have different perspectives. And I'm just putting myself into, I'm telling a story from my own past. Mm -hmm. And there's five potential opportunities and your team feels really strongly about all five (laughs) because you got 20 people, (laughs) right? Yes. And in my body, I feel not that. Yeah. That is enough clarity to start to go into momentum, begin making those decisions or asking those questions or diving a little bit deep and also saying not that, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then the accountability is all around that. Now, who do I want to be in this role, right? Who do I want to be as a leader? Who do I want to be as an executive? Who do I want to be in this meeting? All of these things. Accountability is taking responsibility for ones. That's one. That's just me. Yep. It's not controlling other people. Please, please, yep. please, please. If while you're listening to this, this is the only thing you take with you. Accountability is not governance. Yes. Accountability is to, for, and of yourself. Yeah. And as soon as you bring that into your body, you will work less. You will, you will produce less. You will overwork less. You will be accountable to yourself, right? And that's really where I spend the vast majority with my clients because mm-hmm. we we both know you and me and ninety nine point nine percent of your audience we know how to get shit done, okay? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that is not the topic. We yeah. know how to move things forward, yes. right? But let's get clear: what is it you truly don't want or do want? Real specific, right? And then who are you going to be and mm-hmm. stay there? in the discomfort 
right? Mm-hmm. And and it really will move forward. And if it doesn't move forward, and we live in the society we live in, please don't stay too long. Yeah. Please. It's estimated that women stay anywhere. It depends on which region of the world, right? Because Europe, Europe is very unionized. People tend to move slower. Um, Africa is very, very dynamic. So it really depends. But it's somewhere around 30% too long. We say 30% too long. Mm. Please don't stay too long. Because it one. takes courage, right? Yes, it's, it it's huge courage to leave. Uh, yes. It's that um parable of the dog sitting on the nail mm, yes it's that's often, a good one right it's it's that it's that there's pain there but it's known pain it's comfortable pain I'm used to this pain what if the pain that I'm moving to is worse than the nail that I'm sitting on right now yeah mm. yeah and that for the way I'm so I'm taking this illusion of certainty oh I'm taking this forward <laughs> right <laughs> that's the illusion that the certainty rests outside of ourselves versus inside of ourselves because when the dog is sitting on the nail and it's like oh but what if it hurts more the certainty is not outside of the dog the dog can continue to move so the accountability and the being brave right clarity momentum and accountability is bringing that illusion of certainty to yourself yes yeah right yeah that's it. It's it's back yourself. That's exactly that's exactly what I say. Is like, you know, I have enough faith in myself that no matter what happens, I will be fine. I will find a way. And that that certainty, that trust mm-hmm. in yourself, is really the only thing that you can control to some extent. Um, certainly not the external world, right? So <laughs> trust yourself. It's yeah, it's true. Yeah. That's, um, I was just talking to my sister earlier and we are both going through really big things in our lives and life changes and phase of life changes and things like that. And I was like, look, it's going to be fine. Right. And she's like, yeah, it's going to be fine for you too. Like it's all going to work out in our favor because it ha- always has, yes. we've been through a lot. It always has. And then I'm pretty sure it was her. She's like, and I'm going to be a mess all the way through. And I was like, yes, <laughs> let's do it that way. <laughs> let's be a mess all the way through. Yeah. But but giving yourself that permission is huge, right? Mm. Because my goodness, like this, yeah, this certainty, uh, illusion of certainty, <laughs> we think we have to get through all of it in a perfect way. That's right. Awesome. We can't, we can't show weakness. We can't let our guard down. We have to yep. like have the stiff upper lip as the English say and get through all of this yeah. in a perfect way. And actually yeah. there's no such thing. We are messy. We are imperfect. That's, that's the brilliance of us is to be messy and imperfect. That's right. That's right. And to fail. I mean, yes. failure and mistakes are going to be part of it. You know, people ask occasionally, like, why are you so comfortable on a stage? Like, I really, if you ask me to act out a role or like read lines of something, I am a mess. I'm crying. My body is shaking, all the things. But if you ask me to just go onto the stage and talk for half of an hour or present something, I, I'm good. Like, as long as I can be me, I'm good. Put thousands of people out there. I'm fine. When people say why, Right. The answer is imagine the mistakes 
you would rather not make on a stage. And beyond actually having an accident in my pants, I have done it. I called the CEO by the wrong name in front of his entire organization. I fell and flashed everybody. Um, I have forgotten my name. Um, I have not allowed anybody to ask any questions. I have allowed the lights to blind me. So I had no idea that I was cut off and I just kept going. I just kept going. I was real passionate about this product. <laughs> like I've done it all. So I feel, I always feel nervous beforehand. And then I get on, I'm like, I've got this. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah. please allow yourself, dear listener, please allow yourself the joy of failing because it's all going to work out and you're going to be messy throughout the way. And you're going to have a lot, a lot more fun if you just let yourself be messy and mess up a little bit more often because you won't be worried all the time. And then you're going to experience a lot less stress. Mm -hmm. And this is going to sound super crazy, but the stats back me up. That's when you're going to make more money. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I would love to add to that is don't be afraid to do it out loud, right? Don't be afraid to fail and make mistakes and show your team that you are capable of failing and making mistakes all of the time. Yes. That's human. And it allows them to see, oh, I can be human too. And as a team, that's just going to exponentially increase your impact on the organization. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So we have just talked about everything. The whole, <laughs> the whole thing has completely gone out the window. Um, so let me, let me go back to your three steps and I yeah. It, I think the conversation has been amazing so far. And I think. This oh, yes. Um, but let me go back to your three steps and let's just sort of wrap up with how do yeah. those work in a career environment? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So really important is that the clarity, momentum and accountability, they overlap. So we think about like the, the circles and they are overlapping. Now, I, I always start talking about clarity because when we know where we're going, we can start to talk about where we are, like how we're getting there, right? Like GPS. And I just want to stress again, because a lot of the perfectionists out there, right? They're like, well, I don't know exactly what I'm doing. It's okay for you to know where you're not going. So you can start to wipe that part of the map off and start making some decisions. Okay. So you, you don't have to have perfection before you step into momentum, but I usually start with clarity just because it's easier. So what do you want? Yeah. And, and it's okay yeah. to start in a direction, like That's just right. start and then That's you right. can go, oh, nope, this is not the direction I want after all. So let me try another direction. Exactly. Like keep working out what you don't want if you don't know what you do want, but take action to find the clarity. That's right. And to loop very quickly back to the beginning of falling into careers that are enjoyable, mm -hmm. you're only going to do that when you're in movement. Mm-hmm. So start moving. Those opportunities arrive when you are in movement. Okay. Not when your head is down looking at something. And this is especially true. The more senior you become, mm -hmm. the more senior, if you currently have been stuck at a VP role 
for more than three years and you want more because I know a lot of people don't want more. Okay. And that's fantastic. I didn't even want to become a VP. That's when I left. Mm. I did VP work for like three or four months. And I was like, this is not for me. This is for someone else. Yeah. Right. But if that's where you are stuck and you want out, start taking movement. You got to start making some bold moves. You got to start setting up bold meetings, but you really have to be brave to get onto that next level, particularly for women at the VP role who want to continue to grow. So that's really clarity. So like, what do you want and tell other people? Mm-hmm. So if you want the promotion out of VP, you actually have to tell people that, mm-hmm. right? If you want to go to part-time, a, a, a surprising number of my clients start working part-time, right? You have to tell people that please, 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 please. Right. Okay. If you don't want something, I don't want to become a VP. You also have to tell people that. So that's the first first. The first part is clarity. So it's really your goal setting. I love the smart framework. If that doesn't work for you, that's totally fine. I just happen to enjoy it. And then your board of directors, you need to know who your mentors are. You need to know who your advisors are. And you need to know that they're actually supporting you towards the goal that you have claimed for yourself. And if they aren't, peace be with them. They still say in your network, but you got to shift up your board of directors. This is very hard for a lot of people. This was extraordinarily difficult for me. One of my mentors who happens to also be from Australia, he's incredible. He, he basically told me like, I can't be your mentor anymore. You are going into pastures where I cannot follow, but I'll stay in your inner circle. So just know what these things are, right? The next part is momentum, right? So this is where you make an actual action plan. And this is where you take out your rudimentary project management skills and you make a plan with milestones. So you have your value outcome, right? I enjoy my career is a very frequent one that my that my clients have, or I'm not as stressed, et cetera. See, positive goal, negative goal, right? I'm not as stressed. Yeah. All right. Then you create some milestones, right? So for example, one of my clients right now, her goal is to work one hour less a week. Now she is working crazy hours. So her midterm goal, I think within a year, she wants to cut it down to, I think, 40, 55 hours a week or something like that. When I say crazy, it's crazy. She's billable. It's crazy. Right. But right now her milestone is one hour less a week. Right. Other clients, it's like, I want to not work on the weekends or mm-hmm. I want to leave work at four on Fridays or something for other people. It's, I want to start my negotiation. If you want a promotion, if you're in a corporation, I understand that government's very different, but if you want a promotion, you need to be talking about that six weeks or six months, excuse me, six months in advance. You have to tell your manager six months in advance. So you create your milestones, you start those conversations, you evaluate frequently. Please, 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 please evaluate. Just like you do if you're building technology, you have a retrospective. If you have a project management, you have a review meeting. You need to be doing that for your career and you need to be doing it regularly, monthly or weekly. And I'm hammering on this because so many people reach out to me about my podcast and say, why should I evaluate? I'm like, oh my gosh, let's talk about this, right? Evaluate, evaluate. Then you can go into accountability. Again, all of these overlap. So maybe you're working on them in tandem. 
Accountability is who do you want to be, right? All of my clients want to be more brave in their own way. But then, uh, but then it changes, right? Some want to speak less, some want to speak more, someone to be more decisive and someone to be more collaborative, right? Some want to dress, dress fancier, some want to chill out, right? It's like all the things, right? And once we have that, I call it a self-concept, like how are you conceptualizing your future self, your brave future self? And once we have that, then we can do mindset work. But mindset is not a pan panacea. It is not enough to say, my results reflect my thoughts. That's not how it works. So we're doing that after we know what the goal is and after we've begun the action steps to be supportive in all of the laws that will take place, right? Mm. Yeah, so that is what... I do for myself. I did it just to prepare for this conversation that we're having because I want it to be rich for the audience, right? Such a beautiful thing to be entrusted with someone else's channel and audience. And it's also how I taught myself to be brave. Yeah. I am not a naturally brave person. I'm not the person who's like, oh, I'm 24 years old and you want me to go to Norway by myself? What? Okay. <laughs> right? I had to teach myself how to be brave. And this is how I've done it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's such a good framework. I, I love a good framework. Oh, um, me too. Yeah. <laughs> and the, you know, it, it is, it is a muscle. Bravery is a muscle and mm -hmm. if you build on it. You're able to take bigger and bigger steps into bravery that you would yeah. never have imagined for yourself. That's right five years ago, let alone 20 years ago. Um, right. Yeah. And so I think we often look at people who we see as brave and just assume they were born that way. Yeah. And honestly, probably most of us were born brave and then it yeah. gets taken out of us. And so That's we right. have to re-find it, um, re rediscover our bravery. I 100% agree because, you know, you and I were talking a little bit, like what is it that holds people back mm. and specifically what is it that holds women back mm. and then if we start talking about indigenous women black mm. women mm. gay women trans women right it's the indoctrination mm. that we received before we knew we were making decisions we were making decisions yes. right so one of the pieces which is hilarious to me. But one of the pieces where I made a decision where I was so little was if I didn't talk quickly and if I didn't wrap it up quickly, I wasn't worth listening to. Mm -hmm. That probably came because my mom was a single mom and she was busy. I think she mm -hmm. had like three jobs, mm -hmm. right? Everyone around me was struggling. Everyone was talking over each other. And I made a decision when I was a tiny little thing. I don't remember making this. But I knew from the symptoms of my life, right? I actually went to a coach to learn how to take up verbally more space in meetings when I was like 28 years old. Mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. so what holds us back? It's all of those unquestioned beliefs and decisions that we were given and that we made. Yeah, couldn't agree more. That's that's how we are who we are today. And until we yeah. 
unravel all of that and start making those new neural pathways um you know we we keep doing the same things because we don't see them it's like that goldfish in water uh you know what water what's water what's water yeah what's water we do not see them yeah and sometimes it's really beneficial to be very concise Mm -hmm. very quick and create loop backs and conversation yeah just make it an intentional choice. Mm. Speaking mm. up in a meeting, make it an intentional choice. Mm. Asking penetrating questions, make it an intentional choice when you do and when you don't. Yeah. And when we can, I, I have personally found, this is for me, I'm a massive reader. I love podcasts, but I have personally found that learning about the current systems of power um, you know, we've got capitalism, we've got patriarchy, we've got white supremacy, we've got ableism, we've got, you know, um, all of them. I'm sorry that I'm not ableism. I don't know if I said the one, but like all of them, right. Homophobia, et cetera. Just learning about the mechanics of them has helped me see how so much of it is within me. Right. And if that has held me back so much, And it's those tiny, tiny shifts. I like to talk about the 2% shifts. I was talking about 1% shifts, but I work with high achieving women and they were like, absolutely (laughs) not. Of course. I'm like, okay, 2% shifts. (laughs) We'll double it just for you. (laughs) Those, Those small changes lead to significant growth. So there's a period of time. I don't know if I've already said this, but I am white. My ancestry is primarily German. And so a little bit of um, Irish. So of course that's what the family claimed, but it is primarily German. And I grew up in a very integrated space for a number of years. It was called white girl. Cause that was fair. I was the singular one. And then we moved down into Appalachia. Okay. Appalachia for your global audience is incredibly poor. It's 97% white, even though that is not what the history of Appalachia was. Those were policy choices done in the fifties and sixties of 1950s and 1960s in the United States. So I really consciously, I had to train myself back into seeing groups of black men and saying, those are our future doctors. Those are our future lawyers. Those are our future leaders. Those are our future, right? Because I had been so indoctrinated with such limiting beliefs and it was holding back what I believed was possible, not just for my brothers and sisters, right? But for me, because if I have those limiting beliefs about them, I'm going to have it about me too. And this is the beautiful work that we get to do together. Mm -hmm. And it's, and it's takes courage to continue to do that work. It takes looking in the mirror like that. There is a Mm -hmm. huge amount of courage in that. uh, And yet so freaking worth it. So Mm. worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a place just, you know, cause I know that a number of my audience is going to listen to this. So I'm just going to remind everybody as well. Maybe this is helpful for your audience. When we're doing that work, we do it with our own. <laughs> okay. So like if I'm working on being anti-racist, I don't do that towards the black and brown indigenous community. I do that out loud with, with other white women who are doing that work. Right. So we don't ask people to do free labor. We do it for ourselves. Just a gentle reminder, because I know I made that mistake many, 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 many times. 
and look, it, it feels right, right? Yes. Like it feels like, oh, I don't want to be, you know, to have this subconscious racism in yes. me. And I know it's there. And I yes. want to know how do they want to be treated? How do they, you know, and, yes. and of course it feels like you're doing the right thing. And yet we don't realize just as with, you know, how men do with women. Yes. We put the burden on the people that we are trying to take the burden off. And so, yeah, I love That's that. Right. Thank you so much for doing That's that. Right. Yeah. Agreed. We could talk all day. I know we oh, could yes. probably talk for a week. Um, so I'm going to ask you the two final questions. Yes. What do you know now? And I know there's a lot, but I want you to pick mm. one thing. What yeah. do you know now that you wish you knew earlier? I even prepped for this and I'm still tearing up. Hey, I am good enough. I am good inside. Mm-hmm. And so are you. Mm-hmm. I'm 42 years old. And oh, I wish I had known that earlier. I cry every time I talk about this. I prepared. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> every time. Tears are amazing. Remember that. Tears are amazing. Um, yes, yeah. Fantastic. And yes. Mm-hmm. And if I, I just answered one of those um you know, trite Facebook questions around if you could uh, wave a magic wand and give your clients anything in the world, what would it be? And I literally just said the understanding that they are good enough. Yeah. If I could do that for every woman in the world right now with a magic wand, I would freaking do it. No holds bad because we we are, we are so, so damn good no matter what like there is no caveat on that we are good enough and I I'm so glad that you know that now yeah yeah there's an incredible podcast I love to give this further it's actually for parents about raising their children it's called good inside okay that is why I started listening to it it's from Dr. Becky I have two neurodiverse children and it's very helpful however I do not listen to that as a parent I listen to it as a child yeah. And I am good inside. I am good enough. Mm-hmm. If that is something anyone is dealing with, I can really recommend that. Okay. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, and I am going to say that everyone is dealing with that. Uh, oh, even thank you. Yeah. So yeah. Fantastic. Okay. Mm. Let's bring it back down. <laughs> yes. Uh what is your leadership mantra? So this is around self-leadership, you know, whatever leadership it is that you are in right now, what keeps you on the right track for you? That little spoiler at the very beginning. Here we come to wrap it around. I actually (laughs) knew this quote before I knew who said it, before I knew about her, and before I knew that the world's largest conference for women in technology, allies and non-binary people had said it. Her name is Grace Hopper, Admiral Grace Hopper. And if you would love to be inspired about how women are the foundation of everything we have in technology, please check her out. And she said, it is easier to ask for forgiveness than to ask for permission. 
And this statement has been used in so many different places, but this is really my leadership as well as my career, um, everything mantra, I guess, right? When she was saying it, it was inside of a context in which action needed to be taken. She was inside of the Navy. It was a high conflict situation. And she said, look, what are they going to do? Right. I mean, she didn't say these exact words. Okay. These are my words, but it's like, what are they going to do? Take away my admiral. Okay, fine. Take it. But we have to make a decision right now. So we're not going to go up the chain of command. We're not going to convince people that we have to release this code and we have to make it secure. We are going to ask for forgiveness because we're not going to let this problem become an issue. And I heard that for the first time when I was in junior high school, my gym teacher, Miss Luck. I mean, come on, what an amazing name. She's the one who told it. She also gave me a winter jacket when my family couldn't afford it, which is just like, I just love this woman so much. So she gave me this quote. I took it into high school when I was having some issues and I was just like, you know what? That's it. I'm moving, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm moving forward. You guys figure it out, but I'm moving forward and I'll beg for forgiveness later. I never had to. So many people asked me, how were you so young when you became a director? And there were lots of reasons. Yes. Being brave. Yes. Making decisions. Yes. Working hard. Yes. Being, I had pretty privilege. I was a native English speaker in Germany, et cetera. But the other part is I was bold and I was more than happy to ask for forgiveness versus sit around on my popo waiting for somebody to understand that we needed to move forward. So race. Admiral Grace Hopper is easier to ask for forgiveness than for permission. Beautiful. Beautiful. And again, couldn't agree more. We are on the same page with so many things. Um, And and look, it it is, it's, I don't know. I don't know that I could do it any other way anymore. Mm -hmm. And, And perhaps a reason why I, don't necessarily belong fully in corporate and yet I'm still there because I it needs to be different in corporate and that's you know I whatever I'm gonna make a difference some way in that in that environment yes. um yeah. but I do I I do things I put things out there I just do and so far like you uh minor <laughs> minor seeking <laughs> forgiveness um but so far nothing major so fingers crossed that path stays the same (laughs) I love it I love it uh now you have something that you uh would love to offer our listener today so yes a little bit about that absolutely so inside of the clarity momentum and accountability I actually have detailed frameworks inside of each of those and one of them is called the accountability framework And so what it really does is it helps you identify what is stressing you out, where you are overworking and overproducing. And it very simply within a half of an hour, that's the longest I've heard anybody actually do the work. Um, Within a half an hour, you're going to get super clear about what you're actually accountable for, what the other entity is accountable for if and how you're supporting the end goal, the result, and then where you are overproducing, either emotionally or actually deliverable wise. And we deliverable in my world also includes emails, Mm -hmm. Mm follow-ups, check-ins, 
getting breakfast so people will do their jobs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that you can make intentional choices and lower your stress. So I've had about 40 people outside of my own clients. I've had about 40 people sign up, get the workbook, which is extensive. It has lots of space for you. About half of the people actually take the workbook and work inside of it. About half just use paper. Mm -hmm. And then there's also a video to walk you through each of the steps. The video is about 20 minutes long and it leads you into making this. I have heard back from a number of people, the average time people are saying like not average, but like the, the most common is between an hour and three hours of effort in this one area per week. So it's the accountability triangle. You go to Trick Steinbach. I know that's really easy to spell, but here we are. I'm the only one on Google. I Trick will Steinbach. in the show notes, so don't panic. <laughs> you can't spell that off the top of your head. You were like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Tricksteinbach.com and then um, slash work dash less. And that dash is really important because it's not about working less in a way that doesn't serve you. It's about your work and doing less of the things that don't serve you. So many of us are over-functioning because we've been trained to. Please use the accountability triangle to stop that. You deserve to have your mind free and your time free and be in your actual life. Yeah. Completely agree. Uh, Nicole, where can they connect with you? I know that everyone's going to want to find out where you are. So what's the best place to connect with you? So I think the best place to connect directly with me is LinkedIn. The DMs are hopping. I do post on there, but I've crossed that magical number of followers. So very few people are seeing my stuff because they want me to pay. Uh-huh. And I appreciate their business model and I honor it, mm-hmm. but pop into my DMs for sure. Very happy to talk. And then I have a podcast. It's currently called, which is kind of a spoiler because it's probably going to get ne- renamed, but it's currently called Celebrate Brave. But if you search me by my name, I am Nicole Steinbachs are a dime a dozen in Germany, but I am Nicole Trick Steinbach. You will find me. I promise. Beautiful. Awesome. Uh, Nicole, it has been a joy to talk to you today. Uh, and I know that the listeners are going to have got so much out of this conversation. So I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining me this week. I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. If you want to continue the conversation about today's topic or anything to do with being a leader from the inside out, come and join us in the Women in Leadership Facebook group. You'll find the link to join in the show notes as well as the links to connect with today's wonderful guest. If you got value out of this episode, I would love it if you could share it with others. And of course, if you've been listening to podcasts for any amount of time, you'll know that rating the show and leaving a review helps others to find the show and I would really appreciate that. Until next week, continue to lead the way her way.